0: And thank you for joining us today, for um, to hear about Wham Alternative Assets. Um, you, you've all been invited along because you're, you are the shareholders that own this company, and and we are there um, because you allow us um, you know, to be involved. My name is Jeff Wilson, and I'm Chairman and Chief Investment Officer of Wilson Asset Management. Uh, I'm also Director of uh, Wham Alternate Assets, uh, and I'm actually sorry, I'm actually acting chairman at the moment uh, because Michael's taken some um, sick leave, uh, and also I'm on investment committee. Also joining me today um, is the portfolio manager for WAM Alternate Assets, Danya Tsurova, um, and yeah, I- I'm I've been incredibly impressed with Dania since, since she joined the Wilson Asset Management team a number of months ago, uh, and I'm sure you're all looking forward to uh, hearing you know, what Dania uh, has to say. The – will we'll, first of all, you know, how today will work will be uh, a little bit of a, an interaction between Dania and myself, uh, and then we'll open it up to uh, questions. One of the very positive things uh, that has already happened to WAB Alternative Assets is the fact that the discount to NTA has narrowed significantly. Um, back in February, it was nearly a 39% discount, and now it's about an 11% discount. Um, you know, our view is. Well, what one thing I love doing in terms of when I'm investing in listed investment companies is buying a dollar of assets for less than a dollar, and you know I I have been uh, a very large buyer of um, the company over the last six to twelve months. The uh, in terms of today, after we've done the. The discussion with Danya and myself. We're going to open up for questions, um, and uh, questions online, but also uh, the various questions that have been sent in. Um, if anyone is new to Wilson Asset Management, then please go to our website. You can listen to uh, Dania Danya uh, and the rest of the team on our uh, on WHAM Vault which is a, a great 20-minute interview from Dania, just talking about her plans for Wham Alternate Assets. Uh, and, and if you're new to us also, please go on our website and sign up to our emails. We've got over 55,000 of our shareholders that have signed up and we, they get the weekly email and, and any, any interesting updates um, that can you know, add, add, add value uh, from time to time the um Adanya has been the portfolio manager uh since mid october uh, and what i'd like you to do danya if if we can start off if you can uh just sort of take us through what you've been you know focused on over the last couple of months
1: thank you jeff and good morning everyone really pleased to be here and very excited it's my first uh, call with the shareholders and I'm really looking forward to receiving your questions and having um, a more detailed discussion. Uh, with regard to your question, the last few months have been really busy for me. I initially, I spent quite a lot of time with the underlying managers um, in the portfolio. And some of them uh, I've known really well uh, for a while because in my previous job at Willis-Stars-Watson I did quite a lot of work uh, for some of the super funds and other institutional clients on those strategies. So I didn't come in um, without any knowledge. It was very helpful. And we spent time with the portfolio um, teams or with the investment teams discussing their current allocations, the situation within um, their investments. And I worked on building up the analysis on the portfolio to understand about better risk return profile, Um, pulled together the strategy for the portfolio going forward, both short-term and long-term. We had very good meeting with our outstanding members of the investment committee, I say outstanding because we have a great investment committee. And um, we have another meeting before the end of the year uh, to discuss two new life investments, which I'm very hopeful will come through in the new year. So very, um, very busy. Uh, Despite this, I also spent some time uh, with some of the shareholders, both in uh, WMA and broader shareholders uh, at VAM. And I had several meetings with financial planners. So it was very productive period for me.
0: <laughs> and and I suppose to give people a bit of um perspective as well, yeah, you know, the, the broadly, you know, we've been talking to Danya what is it nearly for six months now, is it? Or yes. Yeah, so, so quite a period of time. So you know, Danya had a a, a, a lot of time to do you know quite a bit of you know due diligence on us and, and just on that you know why why come and join Wilson Asset Management and and, and this opportunity you know, why, why take this opportunity I'll be interested to know thank
1: you jeff um i think yeah indeed it it was a a very long engagement for me probably longer than my you know engagement to my husband (laughs) no uh it was very interesting process and i still remember our initial conversations with you and with kate and then with the rest of the investment team and this area the area of uh, alternative investing is really an area of my passion and i say this because there is so much to do in this space uh from the investment perspective but also from the investors perspective uh when i look at the market as it is now i see a huge gap um in um available strategies or available investment opportunities to the broader investor base, including retail investors. Um, And historically, alternative asset classes have been very popular among large institutional investors. They've been actively investing in unlisted real estate, infrastructure, private equity. And often, the strategies that I had the opportunity to invest in on behalf of, of my former clients. They were just not accessible and not available to the um, to the broader market. So why is it my passion? Because it's very much in line with my personal beliefs that uh, we are working in the financial industry to deliver better outcomes for investors and to take care in simple terms, to take care of their financial wellbeing. And that's what we do. Um, so when I talk to you and to Kate, and you talk about this opportunity, you know this is exactly what um, I wanted to do. And working with you, knowing how much you are doing and your team, how much you do with the shareholders, is very much in line um, with how I operate, and in line with, with my personal beliefs.
0: Thanks, and also, Donia, you, you talked a little bit about you know the excitement in terms of the opportunities, and, and I know in Wham Vault, which to me was a just you know a, a, a must-watch for people that are interested in investing in alternative assets. You talked about um, you know some of the interesting positions in the current portfolio and then also talking about it uh, you know some of the mega trends um that you're seeing out there can you can you take us through um like a little bit of that
1: yeah sure um it's um it's a very interesting space because w- when i think about the broader financial markets so different various asset classes more traditional asset classes like credit equity and then alternatives i think alternatives um, they represent an opportunity set where an investor can access those things and mega trends in um, in a more efficient way or they translate in a more efficient way into the strategies within those asset classes and there are different factors why is that right we don't Uh, We don't really have a benchmark that uh, we have to be aware of and see where we are underweight and overweight. Uh, We don't have the volatility in this asset class. Um, And it's an asset class that is driven, or the underlying assets, they're very tangible assets that have direct impact on our life, on many areas of our life. So when I think about the portfolio and I think about this asset class, it really, for me, the starting point is always, let's look at the, at the macro trends. Let's look, what are the mega trends that have very strong tailwinds and where do they translate into the strategies within alternative asset classes? So to give you an example, I've been doing a lot of work on understanding what's the Demographical trends that we are currently facing, not only in Australia but also globally, and one of the key trends that you know won't be new to anyone um, on this call is aging population, uh, rapidly aging population globally, um, including in Australia. The statistics and during the world conversation, I, I brought up some statistics. It's um, it's quite fascinating to see those numbers how it's all changing. And so when I think about the aging population, I think what are the services or what are the assets that would meet the increasing needs of of that aging population? Healthcare is one of them. And when I then look at the available implementation routes within alternative asset classes, I can find those strategies within private equity through buying a portfolio of medical centers, for example, and running them as a business. I could invest in healthcare real estate where I would acquire assets that are then leased to healthcare providers, or I could go through venture capital route, for example, where I would invest in new technologies supporting healthcare providers. Um, so this is one of the examples, the other megatrends trends that I closely monitor is uh, digitalization uh, of our society, of our economy, um, increasing demand for food on the back of the growing global population and climate change, which drives a lot of uh, new interesting strategies within technology and innovation.
0: Yeah, to to me, when I think of alternate assets um it's you know, my experience has been you know the people that have a lot of money you know really get an opportunity to play in this area uh and you know sort of it's it's access for the mega rich that's sort of you know what i what I've seen you know probably over the last twenty years um you know, one of the interesting things is yeah, you know, when the first listed investment company was set up in the UK in 1868, Foreign and Colonial, the company uh, it was a listed investment company, and I remember they said that they were setting it up to effectively um, give sort of ordinary investors the opportunity to get um, exposure that only the sort of the professional investors get get the opportunity to. Um, Oh, and and one of the reasons I was very excited, you know, when this opportunity turned up for for Wilson Asset Management was that we could have um, you know, a company like this, and you know that that, that you are leading, Dania, a, a, and can give you know, myself or or all investors the opportunity to get access to these deals that um, you know, have you know, aren't just equities. So, to me, that's that's been one of the you know, most exciting things about this. Uh, also, in terms of just going forward, you know, with the, with the portfolio, obviously, you've been given a portfolio. Yeah, it mightn't necessarily have been the portfolio you'd put together. Um, yeah, you know, if you had a blank piece of paper, can you just take us through a little bit, is what your thoughts are on the current portfolio, and then looking forward, you know, what your plans are to reshape it?
1: Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. I, I would actually add to your comment before I move on uh, to answering your question that it's indeed the only LIC in Australia that offers a diversified exposure to alternative asset classes. Uh, so it's a very it's a very unique opportunity. You. You made a very good point that uh, very often, why why those investments are not easily accessible by retail investors. One of the main things is the size of the minimum um, investment, which usually starts with 5 million, 10 million, some of them 20 million. And so in order to build that diversified exposure, um, one needs to have a lot of scale and a lot of wealth um, to, to to invest in this asset class. And then another point that I'd like to mention and add to your comments is around the fees. Um, because I, I've seen and I structured fee terms on, on behalf of the institutional investors. And I also saw what type of, what sort of fees are being charged uh when it's a product or strategy offered to retail investors and it's often nearly double um double the fee and that that's a very big point for me i don't see the reason why it needs to be this way in particular when we can bring the scale um and we can pull all the um assets together we will be and are in a much better position to leverage the scale and negotiate much better fees on behalf Mm -hmm. of the shareholders. With regard to your question on the current portfolio. So within the current portfolio, we already have very good exposure to a diverse pool of assets and diverse pool of portfolio companies. Uh, We have over 20% exposure to private equity, which includes also venture capital Uh, within that exposure um, i was very pleased to see that there are some interesting themes uh, with those strong tailwinds that i mentioned to you so we have a very strong exposure to digitalization trend um, and some of the companies have been really benefiting because during the COVID, because those trends uh, clearly accelerated uh, during the lockdown not only in australia but globally we have a relatively large exposure to real assets, over 40% of the portfolio, which includes um, investments in agriculture, solar infrastructure related to agriculture assets and investments in water. Very strong portfolio, I would say You know, openly and without a hesitation, our portfolio of water investments is the highest quality in Australia that I've seen, and I've done a lot of work in that space. It's the best uh in terms of the diversification and in terms of the lease structures um that, that that we currently have. We have also some exposure to real estate, um and it's predominantly to office sector and industrial sector. So when I think about the portfolio and um I I don't tend to think about this in isolation, because while I'm a portfolio manager, uh, I'm managing those assets on behalf of shareholders. So I do need to think, what are the investment objectives that shareholders have? What do they want to achieve with those investments? Um, and in, in what, over what time frame? So for me, looking at the current um, allocation, I can see that all the capital has been now deployed in simple terms, invested in those opportunities. Given that about 20%, just over 20% is allocated in private equity, uh, there is a term, what we call J-curve effect because what what, what it means uh, when we invest in private equity we tend to pay our management fees on committed capital, not invested capital. And it usually takes two to four years uh, for an investment team to deploy capital into private equity. This, uh, if we have to put our investment returns on the chart, will show us that our investment returns are actually declining over the first three to four years. And then they they start coming back as the portfolio companies and their values increasing, and fund managers start exiting those portfolio companies. So this effect is usually called J curve effect. Our portfolio had some J curve effect, and I'm very uh, cautious of the fact that we want to deliver. Uh, on yields, and on, on strong yields, or in other terms, income returns from the portfolio. So, the two uh, investments that I'm planning uh, to, to do fairly soon, they will be in existing mature portfolios in asset classes like infrastructure and real estate. And real estate strategy will be underpinned by healthcare um, real estate theme. The strategies that I'm looking for, they have very strong income profile. So about, let's say 60 to 70% of the total return is coming from income. And those portfolios, they already have existing exposure to very stable, mature assets. Um, like within infrastructure, it's over 20 assets. Within real estate, it's over 16 assets. and. With various very attractive investment characteristics sorry for the long <laughs> for the long answer Jeff.
0: hey oh, that's great and you you've got a, you know, an incredible you know, depth of experience in that area uh now, now why don't we go over to um james McNamara, our head of corporate affairs uh, and James, will you take us through uh any of the webinar questions that have come in
2: Thanks, Jeff. Uh, This is Olivia. Um, James is not able to make it today, but I have got plenty of questions coming through from shareholders on the webinar. So thank you to everybody who has been sending through the questions. Um, The first one is from Mark, and that is, are there any plans to add to or exit any of the current portfolio? So will any of the portfolio be changing? And additionally, with such a large cash reserve, how quickly do you see further investments being made?
1: Thank you, thank you, Olivia. So, it's a it's a very good question, very valid question. Um, in terms of the plans on exits, given the structure of the existing investments and the illiquid nature of the asset classes we invest in, uh, we are not planning to consider exit options and. I'm not saying there are no options to exit. There are always options uh, to negotiate an exit or to negotiate a restructure of the existing investments. But given the capital is deployed and the assets, most of them are really in, in a good shape, we are planning to follow the underlying investment teams through with their business plans and go through their plan Exits. So, if I look at the maturity profile of the current portfolio, we can expect that between 2023-2025, we will start seeing exits coming through across most of the portfolio, in particular in private equity and real estate. In fact, um, some of the um, investments in our private equity and venture capital portfolio, are uh, already being considered for exit strategies. With regard to the new investments and the timing, I mentioned that I am um, putting forward two investment opportunities. They are live; uh, they are available for capital deployment now. And the plan is to um, allocate or to to invest uh, capital in those opportunities early next year. So I'm very hopeful in Q1 next year. Um, that's um, that's that's what you know, I have to say about the exiting and the new investments.
0: And, uh, Olivia, I, I know, yeah, for those that um, aren't aware, that I know James tied up um, because Wham! Capital's just made a, a, a takeover bid for another, um, effectively, a, a cash box. Um but in terms of with the questions, do you want to direct them to either Dania or myself, just so Yes, um, of course. Yeah.
2: Yes, of course. Um, so for the next question that's from Sebastian, Dania, this one um, will be for you. Wham alternative assets states that its goal is to consistently deliver absolute returns through a combination of dividend yield and capital growth while providing diversification benefits. Could you elaborate on that? Um, What are some long-term goals? And perhaps you can discuss a bit why investors should be investing in
1: WMA. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thank you very much for this question. Um, That's a very good one, very thoughtful. I would start first, why invest in um, WMA and the long-term plans? And really the, the question why is fundamental for me. Um, and I I often use um, I don't know if, if uh, anyone would be familiar with this concept, but the concept of golden circle. When you start with the question why, and then you ask um, how, and then you you move to the to the final result, basically what. And so I've been thinking through for WMA why it's really the diversification from the um, risk premium and relatively stable income returns that an investor can achieve through investing in alternative asset classes, but also access to capital appreciation. And given the illiquid nature of those asset classes, we are thinking about long-term investment horizons. Uh, We are thinking about low volatility uh, because the valuations are done uh, differently to um, other traditional asset classes and they exhibit much smoother um, changes in the valuations. And when I think about how we uh, we are doing this, it's really about the investment process. And I, I've i been working um, in this asset class in, in the financial industry for over 20 years now. And, it's a lot of um, knowledge and expertise that I'm going to leverage from a previous experience in terms of establishing very robust investment process, very detailed investment due diligence that would include not only meetings with investment teams so visiting the assets, reviewing the financial models, et cetera, but also um, thinking about opportunities that we can create by by working uh, with other investment teams. I really see it more as long-term partnership with the investment teams who have very strong track records. And then the result is really, um, you know, very simple. What what do we want to achieve? And that's a high-quality institutional portfolio, which is well-diversified across alternative asset classes. I also think, in the current times that we are in now with the lowest interest rate environment it's a very good opportunity uh window to expand investments in alternative asset classes and it's um it's very hard in in some more traditional uh portfolios or traditional asset classes to achieve same type of returns that we've been enjoying as investors over the past decade so it needs to be very much out of the box thinking and looking at alternative asset classes. Um, In terms of the return profile, um, I can give you some indication of what we're looking at within our current portfolio. So given the exposure to private equity and venture capital, um, the dispersion between uh, lower and higher return can be pretty high But um, on average, the target returns for those asset classes is about 15% net IRR. Uh, When we think about real estate exposure, the type of the real estate we have, I would categorize it as core, core plus, i.e. somewhat lower on the uh, risk return spectrum. And the expectation for this type of investments in terms of the return would be around eight to 10%, or really like high single digit, lower double digit. And then for the real assets, uh, in particular investments in water, it's seen as a key diversifier to any investment portfolio. And while we've been enjoying um, incredible returns from those strategies, I think realistically thinking about lower double digit returns from this type of strategies, would be very reasonable. For the new investments, as I mentioned, uh, the type of the investments, at least in the short term, that I'm looking to make, they would be focusing predominantly on income yield. yields. So we are talking about um, mid-single-digit returns for the income return and then some capital appreciation. So in total, the returns we are talking about are uh, at the lower end of double uh, digits. Thank you, Lee.
2: Thanks very much, Dania. Uh, and the next question I think we'll stick with Dania is um, from Phyllis, and that is: What have been and will be the main changes in the management and decisions made in the running of the company since the takeover of Blue Sky?
1: Uh, well, you know, many changes. Now it's uh, you know found a new home, found a new team. Um, we we have different investment processes in place, we have different structure in place, um, and different portfolio managers. So, as, as I mentioned, um, you know, when when we were discussing with Jeff uh, this opportunity earlier this year, um, I think it was, you know, from both sides, um, we, we asked ourselves the question, why? Um, And I think the fact that I am coming from more of an institutional um, side of our market, um, my intention is really to bring the high quality processes um, with with regard to the making investment decisions, um, high quality uh, due diligence framework um, and this macro thinking perspective And in terms of the portfolio construction, I've done a lot of work uh, for my former clients on building out their portfolios of the alternative assets. Um, You know, one of the key differentiators would be also for me, our investment committee. We have high caliber people on the investment committee and we meet on the quarterly basis and sometimes more frequently. And um, Jeff um, is on the investment committee, as he mentioned, and he's also um, on the board of uh, of that company. Uh, we will be um, reviewing our resources next year, so there are plans to expand the team, and uh, we will update you once we made um, any progress on this. But yeah, I think like the the focus would be really um, bringing it to the level where we can say that's, that's institutional quality offering, high quality, transparent, with strong governance. Um, and, um, you know, I'm very hopeful to say best-in-class fee um, structure as well. Thanks very much, Dania. Uh,
2: the next question will be for Jeff. So Jeff, will there be directors fees or is that covered by the WAM management fee? And how is that management fee calculated? So, is there any premium for overperformance? Um, and then, what is the what is the basic fee? That's from Robert.
0: There are directors' fees, like normal listed investment companies, uh, and then um, because you want the directors um, to be as independent as possible, uh, and also. They're taking on personal liability. It's a listed company, so um, yeah, they're in the gun. In terms of, uh, they have to report to shareholders. Uh, now, in terms of the management fee, it's a one percent management fee um, that goes to Wilson Asset Management. Uh, that actually was a, a lower fee than what had been proposed in a previous restructuring a couple of years ago. That um, and there's no performance fee now. Um, you know, we would definitely like a performance fee, um, but the the logic was, you know, as this was a, our a, a new for, foray into this area, um, that we would you know show to shareholders how we we can perform, uh, and then at some point in time. Um, you know, I'd like to go back to shareholders and say, look, this is what we've done and, um, you know, in, let's, let's split, you know, the, the outperformance. Um, so, at, at the moment, it's just a management fee uh, and there's no performance fee.
2: Thanks very much, Jeff. Um, and the next question is for Dania, again from Robert. Um, with cash over 20%, what do you envisage buying in the near future?
1: Thank you, Olivia, and thank you, Robert, for the question. I think uh, I might have addressed some of it um, in in the in the previous answer. But in um, in summary, the two investments that I'm currently proposing, one of them is an infrastructure strategy. It's Australian infrastructure uh, very well diversified portfolio across various uh, subsectors, including energy transport um, waste treatment facilities and others and another one is a healthcare real estate strategy where we don't take any operating risk we are only literally investing in assets and then the benefits of that strategy is the structure of the leases and the underlying nature of the tenant. So the leases are usually structured as triple net leases with annual increases mm-hmm. and tend to be very long, much longer than in traditional sectors like office, industrial, or retail. And so we are looking at assets that are leased uh, on uh, 10 plus years lease contracts to high quality um, service providers like you know, the likes of Ramsey and others. Um, and at the same time, this strategy is underpinned by very strong tailwinds.
2: Thanks, Dania. Jeff, the next question will be for you. And that is, to what extent can WAM's investment approach, which is finding undervalued growth companies with a catalyst, be applied to WAM alternative assets? And that's from Piero.
0: Yeah, I, I think it... Um, obviously, it's you know, Danya's um, you know, view in terms of investment view, uh, and the effectively what, what Danya is doing is finding um, other, finding investment opportunities um, that give her exposure to various alternate assets. Uh, and, and it, it really got um, harder to have that specific undervalued growth assets with a catalyst uh, because, effectively, you know, we're investing in the, in, in the individual companies where Dania is investing with these managers that then find the opportunities. So it's not um, necessarily as, as applicable when we do from from that perspective but as the business grows then uh, and the plan is to you know get the share price to trade at um, what it's worth that's nta uh, which last month was about you know $0.07 or or if not get trade at a premium to what it's worth um, and then and to grow the business and as we grow the business then there'll be opportunities to um, invest directly into uh, into companies, and then you know the, the trying to find that undervalued growth company with a catalyst um, can be more it, it can be more of a factor. Thank so, you, John. Uh, yeah.
1: Awesome.
0: yeah. So, Daniel, yeah, what, what are your I, thoughts I would
1: add as well? I think it, it's a very interesting term, undervalue. Would uh, often in in alternative space we also refer to this as distressed. Um, So, you know, there are opportunities, uh, in particular post-COVID-19, and the economic turmoil that we're facing, there are distressed opportunities in the market across um, different strategies. And next year, for example, we'll be looking at some of the strategies within private debt and real estate debt space. So, yes... I think it's fair to say there are opportunities to invest in um, strategies or companies with a catalyst. It would be just a different catalyst. like, And that's where um, we can add a lot of value, identifying the teams uh, who might be new or just went through a management buyout and setting up the business and their strategy would make just the right sense in the current market environment, you know, to me, this would be the situations that demonstrate this approach, the catalyst approach.
2: Thanks very much. And everyone, I just want to say it doesn't appear that we have any questions on the phone line, so we will just stick with the webinar questions for now. Uh, Thank you to everyone who has sent them through. Please feel free to keep sending them. Um, Jeff, we'll just circle back to you. Will the shareholders in the other existing Wilson Asset Management LICs benefit from having the additional expertise and experience of Dania?
0: Yes, look, thanks for the question. My belief is 100%. Um, probably go back 21 years ago when I you know, set up the business, there was uh, myself and like in, in this investment game, it's you, you want the, um, you know, my belief is the highest quality information tends to do the best. Now, how do you have that? How do you get that? You obviously have highly skilled people, you have a diverse group of people, and you have try to have a really diverse and um, an extensive network. Uh, you know, obviously, I've got one network. You know, when, yeah, you, know, you add one more person, you get another network. Uh, and, and what we've been able to do with, you know, initially we we're buying undervalued growth companies with a catalyst and they, they tend to be mid and small size companies. Every time we've grown the business, we've grown it so it'll benefit the actual business that's already operating. So our first move was um, in, uh, you know, in WHAM Leaders, when Matt, who worked with us, set that up. And now he has exceptional access to the top 100 companies that we never had access to before in terms of, um, you know, talking to the finance directors or the CEOs of the banks, getting really high-quality information. Now, when we added Wham Global on, you know, with Katrina and her team, that again sort of added to the whole group in terms of another high-quality bit of information. And, you know, if, if we didn't sort of you know, going through the very difficult period we've had with COVID, you know, having the the global team feeding into the rest of the team has really created, you know, significant value uh, in terms of you know giving us high quality information. Um, just in the few months that Dunya's been on board, you know, we all sit in an open plan office. Um, you know it's very interactive. You know, we're communicating all the time. Um, and and Dunya has a yeah, a whole network, um, and she's seeing things and collecting information that we would never get access to. Uh, and and really, it's all those pieces of information. It's sort of, you know, they call it the mosaic theory, now, where you're putting all these pieces of information and it really gives you, you know, the, um, you know what you need to make the, the right investment decisions. So, yes, yeah, so I, I see it as a, as it a great, you know, having alternate assets and exposure to alternate assets, and Dania, um, you know, is a great benefit for, you know, the rest of the, you know, 13 or 14 investment professionals that are managing money.
2: Thanks very much, Jeff. And we've got another question for Dania from Simon. And Dania, Simon has asked, you are mandated to hold the water rights assets for a year but how will you hedge that given the rainfall forecast is for heavy falls as a result of the La Nina effect?
1: Yes, yes, very, very timely question. I just have to look out of the window to see the rain pouring. Uh, La Nina is definitely affecting, yeah, affecting our continent uh, and some others in in our hemisphere. And basically what it means, it's usually the Um, the period where we face heavy um, tropical rains uh, during spring and summer months. When I think about our water rights exposure, about 40% of the water rights currently are leased out on four to six years um, lease contracts. And they list out not necessarily only to growers of annual crops, but also, and it's a very good percentage of the portfolio, to the growers of permanent crops. Uh So in in simple words, um, annual crops, they would need water on a seasonal basis. So this is great for the farmers who have the portfolio or plantations predominantly of annual crops. But uh, when we think about the total fresh produce in Australia, the proportion of the permanent crops have been increasing over the last three to four years. And we are talking about, uh, when I say permanent crops, uh, think about avocados, um, nuts, um, and other um, tree produce that you basically don't need to replant every year. That, that's the permanent crop. Permanent crop needs water much more frequently and not only on the seasonal basis and so while the spot price will be affected by this heavy rain the fact that we have a portfolio which is well diversified by growers or consumers and also well diversified by lease types puts us in a very good position compared to some of the peers in the market in terms of our hedge that's when i talk about the importance of diversification within the portfolio and diversification it's um for me looking at the correlation between the asset classes within the portfolio how are the investments in unlisted real estate correlated to investments in private equity infrastructure agriculture water rights etc and that's the plan to build of a long term portfolio which is well diversified i e where we see lower to some extent negative correlation even within the asset classes that we invest in this this is our hedge at the moment um, I think the portfolio has a relatively well uh, relatively good level of diversification and once the new investments will be approved um, we will increase uh, this diversification further by adding asset classes which is new uh, by the way to the portfolio as infrastructure
2: thanks very much dania and the next question is for you jeff and it's from craig with no benchmarks against which to measure progress what is your self-imposed objective for dividends and capital growth in the fund over the next twelve months?
0: Mm. Uh, look, thanks for the for the question. The yeah, uh, you know, I mean, the first thing I think, from a board perspective, and and yeah, you know, from Danya's perspective, is really to um, you know shepherd the. Um, the portfolio that that uh, has been presented uh, because you've got to remember we we 've inherited the you know blue sky portfolio and um you know, we 'll we'll have to deal with the various dynamics of it you know, there's as Daniel said there's some very positive parts you know, we, we're we're very confident that the uh, NTA is a um, as a, as a good reflection of the value of the assets, uh, it's it's to me it's 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 very it's a very difficult question. If you'd ask if you ask me the same question on any of our listed investment companies, you know, I, I really it would be hard for me to forecast or to guess on how the portfolio would perform you know, over the next 12 months. You know, if you asked on Wham Capital or Wham Leaders, you know, um, etc. In terms of you know, the dividend is something that you tend to have a bit more control over uh, and the ability to pay dividends is is really a combination of you know, the profit made so what's in the profit reserve uh, and also if they're fully franked you know, what's you know, the amount of franking that's in the company you know, at the moment uh, and we do this on you know if you look at our our monthly updates you know, on the fourteenth of each month or a day or two before that. Yeah, you know, we try to give you as much visibility as we can in terms of, you know, what what's in the profit reserve for the, each of the entities. And you'll see with um, WMA, there's about three and a half cents in the profit reserve. So we're not, you know, there's not much uh, there. So really, it's it's the ability of um, of Danya to to you know, find new investment opportunities and work with the you know, assets she has to get the best return over the next, period possible. One thing, to me, I would expect, you know, that the, you know, share price would, you know, the discount to NTA would narrow. So, you know, that's, if it goes from, you know, the 11% discount to NTA, then that's, you know, that's nearly a 12% return. That's in terms of capital. So, you whether that happens over, you know three months six months, twelve months you know it, it really who knows it, it'll just be uh, a matter of time and then the dividend it'll take a bit of time to rebuild um, you know the 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 profit reserve because um, you know, there isn't much in there I hope that gives you yeah you know, it's not as I know it's not an exact answer but it's it's really you fully understand the tools that we're playing with.
2: Thanks, Jeff. And we'll stick with you um, quickly. We've got a couple of people asking, will Wham Alternative Assets be raising capital at some stage?
0: Yeah, um, the, the plan is to grow the business. You know, the, you're talking about a little over $200 million of assets there. We think it could easily be a uh, billion dollars of assets. And, you know, the large, um you know, supporters of of this company that yeah, we've been in constant contact with you know the the financial planners that are using this for their alternate asset plays um, you know, over the last two years we've been in constant contact with them Yeah, you know, they're the ones that have sort of encouraged us to keep um, you know persisting with this and and you know the ability they're all incredibly supportive of the ability to grow the business uh, as a board you know, where we, we really want the share price to be traded to get NTA if not a premium, um, yeah, you know, unless there's something exceptional. So, you know, there's no, no um, short-term plans um, to grow. One of the interesting things is, you know, a shareholder was talking to me the other day and say, look, you've got this great asset in terms of someone like Dania um, and she's got, you know, great contacts, great networks, great investment opportunities, you know, with... Um you know, with WMA already sort of eighty percent's invested and you've got to wait for that to mature. Um and and you know, a little over twenty percent in cash that Dania has an opportunity to invest. Now it doesn't make sense. You know, would you create another vehicle that um could you know just could would be a hundred percent of Dania's you know, best ideas? Um now, look, that, hey, that was a good thought. From shareholders, um, you know that it's something you know that you that know, that we may think of, but that would be a total separate uh, entity. And and what would it be the benefits of that? It would actually give give Danya more muscle in the market. Um, so you know more clout, more more access. Um, you know, so there are some you know some synergistic benefits um, to do that, but. Yeah, that that isn't on the agenda. We haven't even discussed it at um, uh, at the Wilson Asset Management management um, level. It was just something that someone mentioned to me the other day.
2: Thanks, Jeff. Um, And I know we're getting close to the hour here, but Donia, we've got quite a few questions coming through about your valuation process. Could you describe that for shareholders a little bit? How you value the assets in the portfolio?
1: Yes, sure. So um, it's, um, you know, it's a very important topic, uh, very important for us, very important for the shareholders and for the market as well. So uh, we have the finance team, so uh, I'm working together with the finance team on that. But from my perspective as a portfolio manager, the starting point is to review the underlying investments we have in the portfolio and work together with the investment teams. Who are managing those assets and are managing those portfolio companies. So understanding the nature of those investments, understanding any potential movements in value or what drives unique price movement, that's the key for me. And this is on the back of their valuation policies that they have in place, ensuring that they are following the valuation policy, they are following the frequency of the valuations, in particular when it's done by independent valuers this is the key and full transparency you know that that's why at the beginning of the call i said i've been spending a lot of time with the investment teams because i want to ensure we have very strong relationships with them we have trust and we have open dialogue so um for example this month what i've been doing um, i set up calls with all the investment teams where we have exposure in the portfolio I discussed all the assets. If there was any movement in the unit price of any of the assets of portfolio companies, then I requested the details. What drove those moves. and factors could be different, uh, either um, changes in the debt position of the company or changes in the tenants or changes in the market positions, etc. So this has been working really well um, and. I think we are in a very good position where I can say we have um, you know, open and trustworthy dialogue with investment teams and as much transparency as possible, given that it's um, illiquid and unlisted market, so information exchange is very different compared to public markets.
2: Thanks very much, Dania. Um, and it looks like that's about all we have time for for questions. Um, we will email you or give you a phone call to anybody that we didn't get to. Um, we did get through a lot today. Jeff, do you have any closing words?
0: Oh, look, thanks, Olivia, and thanks, Dania. And, look, thank you, everyone who's called in. Uh, as I said at the start, it's your company. You know, we are here as, you know, whether we're, we are directors or, you know, Dania is the Uh, portfolio manager. We're here because you allow us to manage this group of assets on your behalf. Obviously, we're working as hard as we can to get the best return possible. Um, I I mentioned earlier, well, of all our listed investment companies, this is the one that's trading at the the greatest discount to NTA. So, um, in theory, has the has the the greatest easy upside um, and um, yeah I mean Danium, um and myself and I think all the board and the investment um, and the investment committee are pretty excited about how this uh, company will grow over time so you know thank you very much if you do have any other questions please feel free you know, to contact um Olivia or any of the corporate affairs team or Danya and myself, uh, because yeah, we we try to um be as open and transparent as we can. So on behalf of everyone, yeah, thank you very much.